What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. Episode 102, one week until college football, two weeks until the NFL season. We're really close here, <laughs> really close. I can almost taste it. Yeah, um, you can You can smell it. You can smell the grass. You can smell the pigskin. You can smell see the light of football season in yeah. your not not your rear view mirror because it's in front of you but you can see last year's in the rear view <laughs> mirror i guess we but, know uh, a lot of people are drafting for fantasy football we just had our draft last weekend so some more fantasy football this week the second half we're going to talk about sleepers and busts for every position oh uh, yeah we're going to talk about the a's here in a little bit too as me and Skyler are obviously both a's fans and we don't talk yeah. about the a's enough it feels like even though we're a shitty team yeah, talk about the hometown team because that's probably what the majority of our listeners would be. But let's get into the opener. And my opener is that fantasy football season is here. Like Skyler said, we had our draft this past weekend. I got two more drafts lined up before the NFL season starts. And I'm excited, man. It's one of the best feelings in the world when you see your team and you you like it. You know, or you, you have somebody fall to you in the draft. And so we'll talk about mm-hmm. who those guys that could be falling to you who you shouldn't take and who you should be taking uh, later on in the show for sure. Yeah. And uh, the best thing I saw was Chris Strebler, the Jets four string quarterback last night. And I'm going to kind of transition this into the jet report again, like last week, because it was the best thing I saw like the Jets. So Jets started off horrible in this one against Atlanta last night, on Monday night football, but Chris Strebler comes in the second half, goes on a 21 to nothing run and we win. And I know winning, is not important, but seeing some of these guys that will make the team perform in, in these like two-minute drill situations is really cool. So I'll, I'll go into it right now. We'll start with the bad. Uh, Bryce Hall got absolutely cooked a couple times, once by uh, by Kyle Pitts and once by Zacchaeus for a touchdown. So Bryce Hall is looking like he's not going to make the, uh, the QB three spot, cornerback three spot, sorry, not QB, sheesh. And... Mike White didn't look very good either. Uh, he's way too conservative. It looks like he's got Jerry Jones like, you know, hey, if you're not throwing the ball like Aikman, you know, you're not going to make this roster, you know. Uh, and that's just not how it is. We need some playmakers. And Streveler, even though he threw a nasty pick in the rain that was horrible, uh, that was his one bad throw of the game. They still won. Uh, the good, Garrett Wilson looks really good. A couple of balls that Mike White was kind of just throwing out of bounds. Garrett Wilson just snipes out of the air and gets an extra four, six yards on the play. So that's always cool. Um, on the defense, Michael Clemens, again, the fourth round D tackle. It's just a monster. So many hurries, you know, on, it's like he's in the backfield on every single play, which is really awesome. Um, Eddie Pinero, the kicker was cut today. That means Greg Zerline wins the kicking battle. And that's pretty much the only story right now because Zach Wilson's still questionable. Flacco didn't play. And everyone else is healthy so far, knock on wood, except for Beckton out for the year. And that's the Jet Report. Yeah. I'll just, uh, before we get into the player of the week, I'll just yeah. do the Raider Report now. And yeah, then might as well. I know we'll I'm kind of out of order, but might as well good. do it. Yeah, it's no problem. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the game against the Dolphins. We won 15 to 13. We didn't send like 20 or 30 of our guys anyways. So I'm not going to talk... Really at all about that. Uh, I'll talk about the roster moves, though. Kenyon Drake, probably the biggest thing that we saw this past week, uh, as far as Raiders go, got released. 
uh, broke his ankle last year. This year, obviously, a new system, a whole bunch of new guys coming in like Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, Zamir White, and obviously Josh Jacobs still being there and wanting to be the lead back. Uh, prompts this release of the once a thousand yard rusher. And then some other news was uh, Nick Mullins got traded to the Vikings for mm-hmm. a conditional seventh round pick. So I can't wait for that seventh round pick in two years. You know, that's going to be a future Hall of Famer, of course. Uh, <laughs> But probably the biggest thing now is these joint practices that the Raiders are doing with the Patriots that just started today and will go on through tomorrow, I believe. And then they play on Friday for the last preseason game before the Raiders' first game against the Chargers on September 11th. And via Paul Gutierrez, ESPN, this is what he was tweeting on Twitter today. He said, initial thoughts on practice we could not really see because I guess they had a bad angle of it for some reason. Hmm. Said the Car Adams connection is oh so real and they put on a show and then put them in parentheses, put them in bubble wrap until the opener, which I agree with. Yes. You don't want to see those guys get hurt. Said the Raiders defense seems suffocating versus Patriots run game, which is good to see. Uh, but I've also heard a lot of things saying that the Patriots are not in a good spot right now. Uh, Jayon Brown picked off Mac Jones twice. So that was good. He also said there's no fights. Cleveland Farrell, who has not practiced really at all since OTAs, is finally back. Uh, Darren Waller did not practice, but he's just dealing with some minor stuff right now. And he also said intriguing developments on the O-line that we are not allowed to report on yet, hmm. which I don't really understand what that quite means. But some interesting stuff there. Those joint practices uh, are, are really important. Yeah. You know, especially for for my team, you know, it's a really young team. A guy like Sauce Gardner is getting thrown out there at corner one, and he gets a chance, based on what I've heard, is to go up against Kyle Pitts one on one like 10 times in a row. And, you know, like we say, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And even if you're not doing well, like these stats don't matter. Like they matter, obviously, for experience and stuff like that. But if you're going to be and you're learning a lot here, it's not that big of a a deal. Uh, And then. The last thing to report on is since the Raiders play the Char- Chargers in week one, kind of got to look at some Charger stuff now at this point. And JC Jackson is receiving an ankle surgery, uh, which is just a scope. He's not like out for the year or anything like that, but they expect two to four weeks. And with the Raiders playing them in 19 days, expectation that he will probably be missing this one. Uh, so the corner wide receiver matchup of JC Jackson versus Devontae Adams will likely have to wait until our second matchup with some, but advantage to the Raiders right now. If JC Jackson is not able to play that game. Let's get on to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And how can we not talk about Albert Pujols, who went 9 for 15 this past week with four homers and eight RBIs. He is currently on the best 10-game stretch of his career, which is crazy <laughs> to think about because he's 42 years old and well past his prime, of course. And uh, <laughs> he is 42 on paper. There's reports that he might be 50 years old, but who knows? He looked pretty young when he came up. I'll say that. Uh, but Albert has to be player of the week. This dude's been going crazy right now. And so the machine, Absolutely. machines don't, don't break that often. So he's going to keep on going at least for this year. Uh, and that will take us into the spotlight where I want to talk about his chase for 700 home runs. He'd be the fourth player ever to get to that mark. And he's at 693 right now, needing seven more to get to that prestigious mark. And going into the year, I thought this was impossible. 
he came into the year with 679 home runs, and 21 homers, and he went into the All-Star break with just six homers this year, needing 15 in the second half. But just in the first 20 games of the second half for him, eight homers. So he's right back in that chase right now, and it's possible. I still don't think it's probable because, who knows, at any time he might just not be that good anymore. He might just go back to what he was in the first half. But the possibility being there is pretty cool to see because we don't have people hitting 700 homers really ever anymore in this game. Nope. Skyler, what was the... What's your spotlight this week? What do you want to talk about? I'm going to go with a preseason quarterback that maybe people have forgotten about. It's Brett Rippon, the Boise State product on the Broncos. Just had an awesome second half for Denver, 22 for 26, 190 yards and a touchdown. And he's been great this entire preseason, looking like he's going to make the team probably over Josh Johnson as that second or third string quarterback for Russell Wilson. And, uh, you know, I've seen this guy play a couple times in person, and he's a great guy. So it's it's awesome. You know, he's going to stick around in the league for at least another year. Uh, backup spots are pretty precious in the NFL, and there's a lot of guys that want those spots. But if you can get one of those spots, the job for you. It's a couple million dollars. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and talk about the A's now, uh, as we said that we would earlier in the show. Uh, so we're going to be talking about two different things. We're going to be talking about Sean Murphy and what the A's should be doing with him this offseason. And after that, we'll t- talk about a lot of the rookies that are on the A's roster this year. And uh, will we think they'll stick or what's going to happen with those guys as this rebuild comes to form and A's eventually start winning again here in a couple years. But let's talk about Murph first. Murph is having a great season. He's a gold glove winner last year. And he's a dude that mashes baseballs and he's been extremely hot. Uh, really since June at this point. He had a really shitty first two months of the season, but since then he's been really, really good. Uh, and so that promotes the question, even with Shea coming up too, do we trade him? Do we keep him? I mean, if the A's history repeats itself, we already obviously know what's going to happen there. But who knows? What do you think the A's should do? You know, I would love to keep watching Murph in the green. He's on fire right now, but this is probably the highest his trade value will ever be. You know, I feel like this is why we've been bringing in catchers to preparing for this moment, because this offseason, he could bring in a lot. And we're not really close to winning. This is not like other rebuilds that we've had. That's pretty much it for Murph. He, uh, Murph, his value, I think, is definitely the highest that it would be. I think the A's could keep him if they want to. Uh but then that makes the Shea Murphy thing. It just delays us, honestly, at that point. And we're going to want Shea to be playing every day behind the plate. And so I do think we will trade him. I think that spot will be the Guardians. And I did make a mock trade to kind of show what we okay. might be getting in return for him. I was originally going to make this package around Gavin Williams, who is uh, the Cleveland Guardians third ranked prospect to super just good keeps pitcher. Keeps up the pipeline. Yeah, he throws cheese he's got a ton of strikeouts and he's got, got like a two era this year uh but i went in a different direction and i went with george valera as the main guy in this trade he is cleveland's second prospect and will be number 32 and i think we'd be able to get him because based off of the package that we got back for olsen and i've seen people saying that the package would be similar for a guy like murph 
just about a little bit about Valera, 55 hit tool, 55 power tool, and 55 overall. So that usually pans out to be a pretty good player. And he rakes. And mm-hmm. as far as left-handed bats in the outfield, power bats is not something that we have a lot of in our system. So a guy like Valera would be huge. And he's young. He's only 21 years old right now and should be up probably late next year or early 2024. Next guy in that package will be Tanner Beebe or Bibby. I don't know his last name. Uh, he is from Fullerton. He's Cleveland number eight. Uh, Cleveland's eighth prospect in their top 30. He has a 60 grade fastball, 55 slider and a 60 grade control. And that 60 grade control is probably the big thing there. Cause not a lot of people have good control in the minors. And he's one of the few guys that does. He's been pretty good this year uh, in double a, I think, or maybe even high a, I think he has 122 strikeouts in 108 innings with around a four ERA. So he's, he's getting outs and he's got potential there. And the A's and the Guardians are two of the best when it comes to developing pitchers. And then the last guy in the package will be Angel Martinez, a shortstop second baseman, uh, which is the Cleveland's Guardians' 12th ranked prospect in their system right now. 55 hit tool, 55 run, 55 arm, 50 overall. So pretty solid player there as well. And he provides something that the A's do not have much in their system and that's a switch hitter. Uh, switch hitting is something that they like literally have nothing of as far as their top 30 goes. Only guy that we have that switch hits in that top 30 is Logan Davidson and his kind of, I wouldn't say clock, but like hype has obviously gone out of the window at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, could be a guy that turns into a 2020 player, steals bags, uh, hits homers. And yeah, like Angel Martinez, and that would be somebody or a return possible for a guy like Murph. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about these eight rookies that I have here uh, and what we think they will do as far as the future with the A's. Will they stick? Will they fizzle out? Will they? Will we never see them in the majors again? And the first guy I want to talk about is somebody who's been pitching really well for the A's right now, and that's J.P. Sears, one of the main guys, or not main guys, probably a throw-in in that Montas trade. Yeah, I think he will be a part of it. You know, he's a lefty with good stuff, probably a long reliever in his future. But if he could be a five starter, great. We'll take it. JP is really good at doing what he's good at. You know, like he he pitches to his strengths really well and he stays away from his weaknesses. Uh, and that's why I think he has a good chance to stick around in this rotation. He's not going to be a one starter. He's not going to be a two starter, maybe not even a three but that low end guy is going to stick away from hard contact and get ground balls and not walk guys is exactly what JP Sears could be. And I could see him being a four or five starter in the rotation come like a 2024, 2025 team. Once this, the A's are starting to trying to compete again. Other next guy would be Jonah bride who mm-hmm. has played a lot of infield this year. Uh, what do you think of him and what's going to happen? My first response was i have no idea but after thinking about it a little longer i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna lean towards yes he could be this this next regime's chad pinder i think he hits for a decent enough average and plays pretty much every position that it could be valuable Mm -hmm. yeah he i don't think he's gonna stick around as far as like into 2025 and 2026, but I think he could be a good bridge guy into a Galoff or a Muncie mm. or 
somebody like that that is going to be that long-term guy that plays that position it's whether it be second or third or first base or even maybe in the outfield as well uh, but what helps Bright a lot like Skyler was saying is the utility aspect of it he can play a lot of positions and he can hit for contact as well so Jonah Brad. Cal Stevenson how about him uh, just want to take a, a brief break here. Aaron Judge just mashed number 48. I'm not was, even watching. It was a moonshot. Really? And yes. Okay, sorry. We're moving back to Cal Stevenson. I'm going to say no. Uh, he wasn't a top prospect. He's already 25. He's not hitting very well. Um, I hope the best for him. I know he's a local guy, but right now, no way. I like Cal Stevenson, honestly. I think he has a lot of discipline when it comes to a young hitter that you don't see too often. Uh, and he's a pretty good fielder. He's super fast. He just doesn't have a ton of power, and I think that will eventually be his downfall. I think he'll probably end up being on the A's roster next year, uh, probably as that guy who backs up Pache, hopefully, in center field mm-hmm. uh, next year. But he's only really a center fielder. Is that That's his big thing, too. He's not a good enough bat to play in left or play in right. He doesn't have enough power either, uh, but I like him as a player. It's fun to watch, but I don't think he'll stick around too much. Nick Allen, how about him? Yeah, Nick Allen should stick around. He's a former top prospect, one of the youngest guys on the 40-man, and uh, I know he's not hitting great right now, but I trust him a little more than some of the other guys, I guess. I Maybe because he's such a great fielder. He just has, he kind of has the it factor that uh, we kind of have to wait and see if it's for real, if you know what I'm, yeah. what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, I, I like Nick Allen. I feel like a lot of the A's fans do. Uh, and he should definitely be our shortstop, at least until Max Muncie comes up. If we mm. keep even keep Muncie at shortstop, that's been a question as well. But, I mean, there's no guy that's really pushing for the spot right now too mm. uh there's a logan davidson like i was talking about earlier but he's already 24 he's kind of past that hype stage and logan davidson's ceiling now i think becomes that utility guy and nick allen is gonna stick at short probably until we find a guy that it can do as well as he can on defense and hit for power which i don't think we'll find for quite a while this one should be obvious we're talking about shay yeah unless there's some Really weird, massive trade that we all hate as A's fans. Uh, he will be there playing catcher yeah. most likely. Yeah, Shea is one of the cornerstones in this rebuild. Uh, I think for A's fans to compare, if you don't really understand our farm system right now, the Shea and Soderstrom are the Olsen and Chapman mm-hmm. of this A's generation. What about Pache? Yeah, even if it's just a defensive replacement, uh, you need to give him a shot. Uh, if he learns how to hit, great. He'll be an everyday starter in center field. But, you know, it's part of the Matt Olson trade. If you give up on him quickly, it's just going to look like a huge failure, even though we did get Shea, too. Uh, yeah. You got to give him a shot. Yeah, I, I enjoy Pache. He plays with some motion and stuff that makes people want to watch him. However, he hits a shit ton of ground balls and not enough fly balls make him a good hitter in this generation uh however his defense being as good as it is and the lack of outfield in in our minor league system is going to give him a ton of opportunity in the next few years and i assume in one of those opportunities 
he'll take over the center field role full time. Kevin Smith. I really wanted to like him, but he is just not as good as these other infield prospects we have up. You know, it's it's not looking good for Kevin Smith. Yeah, I'm gonna keep this pretty simple. I don't want to see him put on the green and gold ever again. Because he's <laughs> he's just not good, unfortunately. It's too bad. Adam Moeller, uh second guy that we got in the Chris Bassett trade, along with JT Jin, who's coming back from injury right now. I think he's back in double A at this point. But Adam Moeller been up in the rotation, been in the bullpen a little bit as well this year, too. Hasn't done too well, of course, but uh what do you think about him? This may be surprising, but I think yes. I think he's gonna be a quad A twenty-seventh man for us. He's gonna be that last pitcher that comes up and plays maybe 45% of the year. Yeah, I think Adam Oler's name is going to be a name that bounces around from Las Vegas to Oakland mm-hmm. year after year and month after month. Uh, but, but his big thing is he has all of his pitches suck. Like he doesn't have a good pitch right now. Uh, and if he just goes to the bullpen and stops throwing six pitches and focuses on a four seam or cutter, which is one of his best pitches mm-hmm. and a slider or a change up or whatever he wants to, and just find two, find two that could be good. That's what makes you stick around in this league. And, uh, I think Adam Muller actually has a good chance to go ahead and do that. Yeah. So that's going to conclude the A's talk, at least for this week. Uh, maybe we'll talk more next week. There's always topics to talk about with this team. Uh, let's go ahead and get the player pitcher and rookie of the week, starting off with rookie of the week. Skyler, what do you got? I'm going to go with Edward Cabrera again. I believe this is the third week in a row for me. Eight innings, shutout, seven Ks. He has no earned runs given up since June. This guy's on a tear right now. Yeah, Edward Cabrera's beast, and he's also my rookie of the week. He pitched eight innings, only gave up two hits against the A's last night, and had seven strikeouts. Uh, so he's got to be my rookie of the week. What about pitcher of the week for you, Skelly? This one was very easy for me. It's Jordan Montgomery. Five and two-thirds, one run, eight Ks against Colorado. But that's not even on here. That's just an extra snack for you because he threw a complete game, one hitter, at Chicago last night, and it was amazing. This guy's pitching like Bob Gibson for the Cardinals right now. Yeah. the People are calling him the white Bob Gibson in St. Louis right now. That's, that's his new nickname uh, just made up by us, actually. Uh, but he's got to be the pitcher of the week for sure. What about player of the week, Skyler? It's got to be Pujols. We talked about him earlier. He's on a mission. And next up is A-Rod's home run total, 696? 696. That is true. Yeah, it's Albert. Albert's the same guy for me. All right. Next up, we're going to be talking about the Phillies, who are currently holding a wild card spot right now and are either getting no hit or haven't allowed a hit at this point uh, because I just pulled up the game and it said, no hitter on the top, but it's only in the sixth inning right now. So maybe that's something that we need to look on later on. But as of right now, they're sitting at 67 and 55, which is tied for the second wild card spot with the Padres. One and a half up over the Brewers and eight down from Atlanta. Nowhere near contention for the division. Yeah. However, they're getting Bryce back. Probably next Monday is the expected date. The Bryce is in Lee Valley or Lay Valley. I know it's the Iron Pigs. That's the team name. He's playing over there right now. I think he had a home run tonight or last night, and he's coming back, which is huge for the Phillies, obviously. 
uh, two-time MVP. But how big is it exactly, and how big is this help that Harper is going to provide? It is massive. That's the MVP, the leader, the heart and soul of this team. San Diego, Milwaukee, right next to them in the wildcard race, very vulnerable right now. They got a pretty easy schedule until late September. This is the time to separate from the pack because we know Philly doesn't have the best defense. That leads to blowing games late. You can't have any of that if you want to secure your wildcard spot, especially with Atlanta just so far ahead of everybody. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Harper is going to help a ton. However, I don't think this puts them up a tier as far as like World Series contenders go. I still think they would be maybe on the tier of a Seattle or a Cleveland, but they're not close to Atlanta. They're not close to, I think, St. Louis now at this point as well. I don't think they're close to New York, and they're obviously not close to the Dodgers too. So it's going to help, of course, getting the MVP back in your lineup is maybe the biggest thing that you can acquire halfway through the season, but it's not going to change much. They're still going to be good. Just still going to be above average, but they're not going to be in that upper echelon of teams. There's a whole bunch of teams in the AL wildcard spot right now. I know it's really only the Brewers that are competing for that spot outside of the three teams that are already holding those wildcard spots. But in the AL, there's six, maybe even seven uh, Tampa Bay who has the one spot right now. Toronto and Seattle holding the two-spot tied. Uh, just outside is Baltimore and then Minnesota, Chicago. Uh, and then six games back is Boston. So we're going to do our power rankings for those teams. Or I I included Boston. Uh, I just put them at the seventh spot. Maybe you didn't. Uh, they so. would be my seven, so sure. Gotcha. So we'll start on six. Skyler, what do you got there? Yeah, it's the White Sox for me. I never really trusted them all year. I don't like LaRusso with that group specifically. I just I just don't like it. Yeah, that's fair. I'm putting the twins at six still because Byron Buxton just got hurt and so he's out again. And when you lose a talent like that, your team's not gonna be as good. They have a hard schedule coming up. They're in Houston right now. And I think this team has fizzled out at this point and they're not living up to the expectations that I had for them at the beginning of the year. Mm. Number five, number five, I have Baltimore here. I know that Minnesota has a tough schedule. Baltimore's is just as hard and it's just not their year. You know, it's uh, we definitely saw that when they were sellers at the deadline, too. So uh, it's not their fault, really. They're playing awesome right now, but they get the five for me. Number five is where I'm putting Chicago. This team is just so injured. It's I don't know if it's unlucky or if it's karma or something that happened to him is just forcing it's all this to happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not good. They're not making the playoffs, and they're sticking at that number five spot for these power rankings. What about number four? Four, I have Minnesota. I just still think playing in the central gives them an advantage here, um, especially the late September games compared to the other teams. Yeah. But just still not quite enough. Maybe it's the injuries. I still like their pitching, but it's just not enough to get it done. Number four for me is going to be the Orioles. I wish I could put this team higher. I love watching them play. They're one of my main MLB TV teams right now. But they're just not as good as the other three teams that are above them right now. And uh, it's not going to be their year this year, but this team will probably get in next year because they're going to have Gunnar Henderson, hopefully Grayson Rodriguez too, and the guys that they have right now 
two, of course. So. Number four for those. What about number three? Number three, I have Toronto. Um, not great recently, but still at 93% chance or something to make the playoffs. And, you know, they're playing Baltimore and, uh, and Boston a bunch of times here coming up. So that should be enough to get past Minnesota, Baltimore. Yeah. Despite being the top wildcard spot right now, I have Tampa Bay at number three. I just think Seattle and Toronto are better. It's nothing against Toronto. They just don't have the roster as like Seattle or Toronto does. And they don't have the, I mean, McClanahan and Kluber and guys are good, but the pitching depth and the lineup depth is just not there compared to those other two teams. But what's the number two spot? Number two, giving it to Seattle here. I love the pitching staff. Some off-field issues uh, messed with their record maybe recently uh, with taking suspensions at random times. But they're going to be solid. Yeah, I'm going with the M's at number two as well. A lot of talent on this team. But just like the Orioles, it's this this team is going to be around in the future. The, but it could be the year. Who knows? Number one. Number one's Tampa Bay for me. I'm not phased by Wander Franco, probably not playing this postseason because Tampa Bay always finds a way. They have for about 10 years now, and I'm not going to make that mistake again. It's true. I made that mistake yeah. again, so we'll see how that ends up. But number one for me is going to be Toronto. This team, even though it's not living up to the expectations that everybody had for them prior to the season, they're still a great roster. I think that's all that matters. Because if you get into the postseason, anything can happen, especially if you have that four spot, you get to host that first series. That could be a huge momentum booster. And uh, they're only a half-game spot out of that right now. So I have Toronto with that number one wild card power ranking spot that we just came up with. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime. All right. Starting off halftime with the NFL injury report. Like we said, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. So let's get into it. Uh, we got Travis Jones. Early pick last year, D-tackle from UConn with the Ravens. It's going to be out three to five weeks with a sprained knee. Um, just a lot of Baltimore injuries, which is going to make me change my Super Bowl pick. Spoiler alert. Sorry, everybody. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez, the Indianapolis punter, may not seem like a big deal, but towards Achilles. They're out of a punter, and those aren't easy to find, especially a guy who has been great recently. Something to keep an eye on for the future. Uh, Kyle's guy last year, Gus Edwards, is going to be out for the first four games on the PUP list after his, what was it, ACL last year? Yeah, he's not my guy anymore. He's <laughs> sold for me last year. Okay, so I'll, I'll stop guy. making that comparison then. Yeah. Uh, JC Jackson, like Kyle said, is going to be out two to four weeks. Tough for the Chargers, good for that division getting a head start. Uh, last night, Darian Beavers, a young linebacker from the Giants, tore his ACL. That was nasty um matt corral gonna be out for the year with the list frank tear i can't remember if we talked about it no we didn't we no didn't talk about we it just talked about it, just it off the podcast yeah, yeah it's hard to remember what's uh on the air and what's off um elijah mitchell to be on track for the niners big for the niners another team that's uh pretty much always in the hunt the lions put rookie receiver jameson williams on the nfi list that means he's out for four games while he recovers from the ACL injury. NFI is non-football injury, right? I saw that yeah. list going around earlier, and I was I just thought they weren't capitalizing the tweets for mm-hmm. the I, and I thought it was an L. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Chase Young on the PUP, 
with the knee injury from last year, going to miss the first four games at least. And Kayvon Thibodeau with the nasty MCL sprain the other night in the preseason game, out three to four weeks, questionable for the start of the year. Another situation where the player says he's all good, but everyone else is like, oh, let's just hold on a second. You're the future of the defense. You know what's crazy? This is completely random too, but yeah. they got all these lists, man. They got the IR, they got the PUP, they got the NFI. Why can't we just have the IL, like the two-week IL mm. or the eight-week IL or the full-season IL? Just and because that, there's man. there's not that many games, they have to have specific lists so players can come back at a certain time. I don't know. The rules are weird because now there's that short-term IR and now there's long-term IR. I mean, long-term IR has always kind of been a thing. The short-term is new. Uh, so, I don't know. It's just confusing. Yeah. It is. But let's get into some stuff that's not as confusing. The NFL rookie quarterback roundup. Once again, let's get through it quickly here. Started off with Matt Corral. Like we said, he's out for the year. Left the game after going 9 for 15, 58 yards. But Baker's number one. So next year we'll see Corral. Maybe Darnold and Baker are both gone, depending on how the season goes. Patriots rookie quarterback Bailey Zappi. 16 for 25, 173 yards and a pick. Still looking solid. Probably going to make the team, which is cool. I loved him in college. The Colts rookie quarterback, I think this is his first game, Jack Cohn from Notre Dame, 7 for 11, 83 yards and a touchdown. Solid guy trying to make the team. Sam Howell from Washington, 10 for 18, 122 yards and a pick. Pretty good last week, not as good this week, but uh, he's a rookie. The next guy, Malik Willis from Tennessee, 7 for 17, only 80 yards, but a touchdown and 40 rushing yards. Skylar Thompson from the Dolphins may be the MVP of the preseason so far. Nine for 10, 130 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, another solid couple drives. Six for seven, 76 yards and a touchdown. Hoping to be the starter week one. That'd be cool. And Desmond Ritter last night, 10 for 13, 143 yards. Uh, was pretty much just running uh, Spider 2 Y Banana and looked pretty good on the run, too. Good for him. That's yeah. my guy. Uh, what do we got here? LeBron, LeBron James signing an extension two years, 97 million with an option in 2024, 25. He will not be doing a banana boat thing. I guess everyone else has moved on. Uh, he's staying with the Lakers for another couple of years. So maybe LeBron gets to uh, play with Bronny 2024, 2025. That would be interesting. I don't know if, uh, I mean, obviously, Bronny's where he's going to go is pretty undetermined now at this point because mm. it's multiple years out. But I thought that LeBron won't be signing a long-term deal with the the Lakers. And I know two years isn't really long-term, but it ends up kind of being three because of the extension part of it as well. So we'll see with Bron. I don't know how long he's going to play for, though. All right. Uh, the Little League uh, Classic was played Baltimore Boston this past weekend because Little League World Series going on in uh, Williamsport and I I wanted to talk about Adley Rushman real quick here because I saw a clip of him going down the uh, the slide at Williamsport and everyone is like don't get hurt please please because everyone loves this guy and he's on fire right now you know he debatably one of the best catchers in the league already he just had another week of hitting over 400 um it's so awesome because another guy who I've seen play in person is living up to all the hype. And we don't see that from the number one pick very often. We saw Mickey Moniak 
uh, get traded to the Angels. I was talking about him with my friend Tyler the other day, and he didn't even know who he was. So just a, a number one pick who actually lives up to the hype is is very cool. Yeah, it took a while for us to see Atlee, but now that he's here, mm-hmm. he's everything that we wanted him to be, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. One last note I have here. We just found this out. Nick Saban extended through 2030, so all of us college football fans will still be in pain for another eight years. <laughs> did you see what the contract was? I didn't. I don't remember the uh, exact. Eight years, $94 million. Jesus. That's 12, 11, just, just over $11 million per year. That's like what Anthropolis gives up to his star players in Atlanta, man. <laughs> exactly. He got, he got a Michael Harris contract, dude. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. But, but uh, college football season yeah, coming really soon. I'm excited. Yeah. Even though that there's only going to be five week. good teams. Yeah. That's whatever. Mm-hmm. It's better than zero good teams yeah. or one good team, I guess. You should probably zero good teams would probably be the most fun college football season to watch. Yeah, <laughs> but, Western Michigan will have a shot. Of course, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's Nick Saban supremacy for the rest of eternity, it feels like. Let's go ahead and send it to the second half and let's talk about more football, fantasy football sleepers, fantasy football busts. You want to win your league, listen to this segment because me and Skyler got all the guys who are going to be outperforming their expectations or underperforming their expectations. Uh, And we did these rankings based off of what ESPN has projected because we wanted to kind of have that same baseline of where they're being projected at. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with the sleepers. Uh, yeah. Let's start off with the quarterback. I'm going to go Kirk Cousins at 15. Here's a guy you can get really late in your draft when guys are looking for backup quarterbacks. You know that guy in your league who drafts a quarterback early and for whatever reason drafts a backup one too. Um, this guy had more points last year than my bust who played every single game except for one, I believe. Uh, so can't wait to talk about my bust. My sleeper has got to be Joe Burrow. Uh, I don't see how he's ranked lower than guys like Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. When this dude just had a crazy season, he's just gaining momentum from that. The team got better. The receivers are still the same. He had a super young receiving core, so he's got another year of those guys playing together. And that meshing and things going well is just as well they did late in the season. The offensive line, which was the biggest question for those Bengals, Got a lot better. So I think Joe Burrow's poised for a great season. I think he should probably finish out around QB6 or QB7. What about running back? Running, we go in all sleepers first? Yeah, we'll go sleepers Okay, bet. Okay, my sleeper running back is going to be Antonio Gibson at 23. I know there's been reports, a lot of special teams he's been playing, but I still think he has a really high value as a receiver. And being able to slot him in at running back could help some guys. And I, it's not the biggest thing in the world. That's why he's ranked 23 for a reason. But I don't think he's an undraftable player. The guy that I have is currently ranked at RB37. I don't think he's going to be an RB1, but I think he could be a solid flex play or even an RB2 at some point in the season. And I think that's James Cook. Uh, this guy's going to end up winning the job in Buffalo at some point. He's going to do better than Devin Singletary. Uh, and... I mean, based off of his genes, he's got to be good, right? Dalvin Cook's his brother. Skyler took Dalvin Cook, fourth overall pick in our draft. So his brother's got to be pretty good as well. Uh, 
And he's a good receiver, too. And I think that's the big thing in that Buffalo offense is that they don't run the ball much. They like to pass, but maybe having that check down option like James Cook would be a huge thing for them. And uh, I think you'll probably end up around RB 18 or 19. Little Edwards Elaire era territory, you know? Eh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. What about a uh, wide receiver? I really like this one, and I drafted him too. I'm going Valdez Scantling at 50th receiver here. I understand that they're bringing in a lot of guys to replace Tyreek, but this is really the only guy with the speed to play like Tyreek. You know, I don't think he is Tyreek. I don't think he'll be a wide receiver one, but they're going to look for him a lot in Kansas City's offense, and we we all know how how fast-paced they are. I'm going with another Kansas City wide receiver, and I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. He's currently ranked at 32 right now. Uh, I think he'll end up a low-tier wide receiver one or a high-tier wide receiver two. This guy's going to blend perfectly in the offense in Kansas City. He's a great receiver, and I know he doesn't have a lot of rack to him, but Andy Reid knows how to do stuff with guys where he'll just get them open. And Juju's a great route runner. He's great getting off the block. He's super physical. He makes plays. I think he's going to be really, really good in that Kansas City system, uh, unfortunately, being a real yeah. fan. But I think he's going to be a guy who is a huge sleeper in fantasy this year. Tight end. Last Nicole sleeper that with, we sorry. got. Going with Evan Ingram, ranked 19th. I hated the signing. I hate Jacksonville. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be great for a couple of years, at least. But he's one of the only guys they have. And he's on a one-year deal. Approve it. I think Evan Ingram has a chance to go nuts this year. And a guy who goes undrafted in a lot of leagues, take a shot. Yeah, I like Evan Ingram. Uh, I had a couple options here. Uh, I was going to go with Dawson Knox because tight end 14 is a little bit too low for a guy yeah. like that. I think there's no way you should be under Cole Komet or Pat Fryermuth or maybe even Mike Gusecki or Zach Ertz. But... I decided to go the deep sleeper route and go with Albert O. Oh, I'm not going to say his last name because I don't want to butcher it. Uh, like Skyler said, uh, he's ranked tight end 22 right now, which means he's getting undrafted in pretty much all formats. And he is the main tight end in uh, Denver. And I think he's super, super underrated. No offense gone. He's in Seattle. Russell Wilson got to have a tight end to throw to. So Albert O is going to be that guy. I don't, think judy or sutton is going to be super good but i think that connection that's with rude. the young tight end could be something that's there <laughs> so let's go to the opposite side of it your guys that's judy and guy. sutton are good sutton oh yeah sutton i like more than judy i'll say that let's go to the bus now skyler who's your bus at qb my quarterback bust is going to be Kyler Murray at number five. Like I was saying earlier, Kirk Cousins had more points than this guy. I understand him running the ball is helpful. Maybe a couple of weeks could get you a win when you weren't expecting it. But overall, I think it's too good to be true. We know they fall apart in the second half all the time. And I'm not very high on Arizona this year. Yeah, I'm not super high on Arizona either. Uh, and I think Kyler will have a decent season, but I'm also picking him as my bust here. I yeah. don't think he's going to live up to Hertz or Brady or Rodgers or Wilson or Burrow or Stafford or maybe even Lansing Carr and Cousins and those guys. I like 
man, this is, I don't know where they got QB five from this guy. I really don't. He doesn't have his top wide receiver for six, first six weeks. So that's six weeks off the bat where it's not going to be as good as it possibly could be. Hollywood Brown isn't that good either. The team is just not that good in general. And Kyler, what, what says that he's going to break out this year? I mean, he was like, he's so streaky. I just don't like it. Uh, he might be good some weeks, but other weeks he's going to be terrible. And that's why I have him as my boss. What about running back? Running back, I'm going to go Alvin Kamara at number six. We know now he's not going to be suspended, but it's still going to be in the back of his mind because he's probably getting suspended next year. And even last year, too, we saw he didn't really start tearing it up until Jameis got hurt because they literally couldn't throw the ball with any of the other guys they had. Uh, so I think it's a little risky to take him in the first round. Yeah, the my running back bus is going to be Cam Akers. I think uh, they just have his workload too high on here. They said that they project him to get 270 carries this year, which is unrealistic, in my opinion, for guys Those coming are off Taylor of a, numbers. Yeah, it's coming off of a, an Achilles injury just a year ago now at this point, and it's at RB 14 above Saquon, above Nick Chubb, above J.K. Dobbins or Reese Hall, Zeke, Etn, Jacobs. Those guys, no. Like he, he's probably gonna finish an RB low, low flex. I'll say that. Maybe like a 28, 29, in my opinion. Daryl Henderson could be on the upswing now. What about wide receivers, there? Wide receiver, I'm gonna go with Deontay Johnson at number 16. I really like this guy, and he's gotten so much better. But they have him getting a hundred catches again. And when Trubisky and and Kenny Pickett are your your quarterbacks. No disrespect to them, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, really complex schemes like Big Ben had with Deontay. And especially with Najee uh, turning into a, monster. You know, a guy with a huge workload. It doesn't look good for Deontay. Yeah. My wide receiver bust is going to be Jerry Judy. Uh, he's ranked at 22 right now, which is above Amon Ross St. Brown. Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Hunter Renfro, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, Rashad Bateman, and a whole bunch of other guys as well. And he's just not going to live up to that hype. He's not going to be great with Russell Wilson. And the biggest thing with a new quarterback is you got to build trust. And Jerry Judy, what is he known for? His shitty hands. He can't catch. He makes the great catches, can't make the good ones that are just right to him. And so having the drops is going to make Russell Wilson not look his way as much. And I think he's going to look at Albert O more, maybe even Sutton more. Uh, Skyler does a fist bump because he has Cortland Sutton. Yeah. But Jerry Judy, I think, is the odd man out in this offense. Tight end, the last one that we got, Skyler. Who's your bust? TJ Hawkinson at number seven. Another guy that I really like as a complete player, but the Lions have brought in a lot more players. It's not just Hawkinson. On the uh, on the vertical place uh, with Amon Ra, it's a lot more guys and another guy who's been injured pretty much every season his entire career so far. And you can't have injuries at the tight end position. You know this if you had it before. I got lucky last year um, having Hunter Henry as my backup because he decided to tear it up when my guy got hurt. Uh, but that doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah. The guy that I have here is ranked super super high. I think he's still probably going to be a tight end one but just not tight end three where Kyle Pitts is located at right now in ESPN fantasy. There's no way this guy's going higher than Waller or Kittle. And even if it's a 
tight end seven. I think that's a bust, and they're making people draft him way too high here because the Falcons suck. Like Mariota, I like Mariota, but he's not going to be a guy that can get the ball to him all the time. And that's going to be the main thing that every single team that the Falcons play is going to be game planned around. Stop Kyle Pitts. Stop Kyle Pitts. He's got nowhere else to go. I know Drake London's there. No disrespect to him, but he's a rookie. Stop Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Definitely when I thought about trying to do. Definitely thought about it until last night. He completely torched our defense a couple times. So it's like, okay, maybe I uh, won't say anything bad about him today. <laughs> then again, also, no offense. It's not like your defense is top of the line. I so agree. they're playing the Bucs, they're playing the Saints. Even the Panthers, too, have that super young defense that likes to fly around the ball. Uh, it's just not going to be that good. So Kyle Pitts is my bust. I still have him finishing around tight end seven or maybe even six. Let's go ahead and get to our layups and bowl predictions, and let's get on out of here and get closer to the NFL season, uh, which would be NF would be episode 104. That's our big yeah. preseason predictions and all that stuff is going to happen let's go ahead and get to our layups though uh where this week or last week i had the cardinals over colorado on wednesday that did happen the cardinals i think that's the first game that they won out of seven in a row or something like that or second in a row uh, so that obviously hit there and then Skyler had tampa bay over kansas city on thursday Big shame. That did happen because it's in green so good for Skyler there this week i have the jays over the red sox on thursday Last time Kevin Gosman started a game in Fenway, the Jays won by 20. So maybe history repeats itself. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Mets over the Rockies on Thursday. That's DeGrom. And come on, they're they're playing at home. So DeGrom should have no problem against Colorado's lineup. Yeah. Last week in bull predictions, I got mine right. Chicago was a five-point dog against Seattle for some reason uh, when I picked them. And they won by like... 10 15 points so that's green there Skyler had houston win series at atlanta atlanta won that series took two out of three from the astros over the weekend Uh, it was a fun series to watch a lot of big hits in there uh this week i have hawaii winning the little league world series i'm not quite sure when that championship game is i think it might be a week from today or this weekend or something like that but wise got some studs man jared lancaster duke can rake duke can pitch and if they got him on the mound on the championship game, they're not losing at all. I'll say that right now. Yeah, usually pretty safe with a West Coast team or Japan, which is also yeah. West Coast. West Coast, team. yeah. yeah. Uh, but my bold prediction, I'm going to go with the Orioles winning the series at Houston. Maybe think I'm crazy a little bit, but they don't have to face Verlander. So that increases their odds a lot, in my opinion. Of course, yeah. So that's going to do it. For episode 102 of the Go in the Distance podcast presented to you by Immaculate Sports. Mm-hmm. Maybe some more fantasy football next week. Who knows? We'll see what we got there. Uh, it's kind of going to be a weird in-between week, I feel like, where we just don't have a ton of stuff to talk about because football season hasn't started. Playoffs haven't started be for more baseball. More injuries, more Trubisky talk. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's how it we'll, goes. We'll see. College uh, football so preview, maybe. All- Maybe, maybe that could happen. Uh, but we'll see you next Tuesday. Go, uh, go ways. Heal Zach Wilson, please. Mm, that's fair. Yeah.